As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The throw for Gordon. Just try to keep it in on the line. Cut it back for Longstaff! Sean Longstaff left-footed from Anthony Gordon's cutback has given them an early lead at Bramall Lane. Another chance for Newcastle. Whipped in this time. Dan Burn! Dan Burn! Diving header at the back stick. And the big man is there to make it number two. Trippier's set-piece delivery has been on point this afternoon. Free kick on the right. 20 yards from goal. Trippier. Through Trippier's in and Callum Wilson, here he is! And this time Wilson hits the back of the net. It's Gordon, left corner of the area, hit it inside, he's gonna hit it this time! Oh, Anthony Gordon! That is a lovely goal! 62 minutes played, it's 5-0, Bruno through, Almiron's in! with a chance to run it's come back for Longstaff it's come to Bruno and Bruno makes it seven. Oh, Isak from a header back from a defender is in Isak's beaten at one and then taking it around Fodderingham and put it into the back of the net and Isak with his third of the season just made it look so easy it's Sheffield United nil Newcastle United Oh, drink it in. How good does that feel? Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne. My name's Taylor Payne and what a week it's been. Not content with picking up a point in Italy. Newcastle United went to Sheffield yesterday and they put the blades to the sword. Chris Woff is here. How the devil are you, Chris Woff? I see what you've done there with the put enjoy the blades that. to the sword. Yeah, I enjoy, enjoy that, that very much. Very good. much. I enjoyed that more than listening to the eight goals again, really. Yeah, just the... <laughs> 
Uh, no, I mean obviously I didn't listen. I, I, I watched it on TV, so to hear the radio commentary to hear and and I'm going to have to watch back the fourth goal because I don't remember who should have hit it for the Wilson goal, but uh, Cher. Cher should have hit it. I don't really remember that being a sort of me sitting there thinking, oh, he needs to unleash one. But I'm going to I'm going to look back and see that. But no, great, great to hear, and you can just hear the disbelief in the commentary, as I'm sure. Uh, but I mean, even more so in the press box where, where uh, Jacob was yesterday. But what an absolutely phenomenal and ruthless performance from Newcastle United. Superb. And Jacob Whitehead's here as well. How the devil are you, Jacob? I am well. I really enjoyed watching you rubbing your hands during the uh, replay of those eight goals, like sort of a malevolent Victorian schoolmaster. It's quite ominous. <laughs> terrifying expression but, yeah. of joy imagine sort of Jason Tindall might go for that just drinking it in mate just drinking it in and enjoying it lovely stuff I forgot to mention as well actually on the podcast the other week when, when I was on um, Andor was at one of my gigs I did a gig in the town centre and Andor was there and he was stood down the front singing along the Teenage Dirtbag which I didn't think he ever would that wouldn't be the first when you, when you say John Anderson tough tackling 1980s Nikasi and I defender I wouldn't have said straight away that teen, Teenage Dirtbag would have been his tune but who knew who knew does he sort of dance how players used to celebrate back then, that sort of spring up in the air, dead straight? I don't know what you mean, yeah. Or, yeah, too, is, is it much more sensible? No, he was just kind of stood, chilled with his pint of Guinness, just taking it easy, you know. He seemed to be having a good time, though, so that was good. And then I had a chat with him, you know, obviously didn't have a fucking clue who I was, but that's fine. <laughs> but there you go. But it was nice to meet him. Uh, anyway, 8-0, Chris Woff. 8-0, eight, 8, eight brackets, the letters that spell 8, close brackets, nil. Unbelievable. Very much so. And yet again, I have been proven to be absolutely useless at my job. Seen as uh, last Thursday on the podcast, I did say that I thought this could be a difficult outing for Newcastle United. Potential banana skin. <laughs> well, I, I, and before the match, I'll be honest, I thought that a, a draw wouldn't have been an absolutely terrible result. Um, but in my defence, I don't think I was alone in that. Obviously, this was the first time that we saw how Newcastle United would respond to having a midweek Champions League away game came back from, from Milan, only arrived in the early hours of, of Wednesday morning, and then they managed to go, and, and this was, what was bizarre was for the first 10 minutes, you, you couldn't have seen this unfolding either, I didn't think, I mean, Sheffield United started it okay, and actually probably could and should have been ahead, uh, with a couple of opportunities that they had, but we really saw Newcastle United click again, and messaging some people in the in the dressing room, one sort of message that came back was that the, 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 they were pleased about the, they used the word freedom that Newcastle United played with and I think that we haven't seen that in the last few weeks particularly on the ball they've looked a bit too formulaic they've looked like they're lacking a little bit of confidence in what they're trying to do and yet on Sunday what did we see was was a Newcastle side who weren't content with just winning the match they wanted to win it and, and score as many goals as possible and really it could and should have been more than eight which sounds astonishing to say but they were absolutely phenomenal Sheffield United were abysmal oh, but Newcastle United Newcastle United made them abysmal as well they they contribute to that and a lot of teams are poor but they don't go and put eight past opposition and to do it at, at their Bramall Lane They've never conceded anywhere near that at home, uh, Sheffield United, in their entire history. And Newcastle United thoroughly, thoroughly deserve that, that eight good win. I mean, Jacob, if you'd, if you'd not watched the game live and you'd just caught the score afterwards, you would have thought Newcastle United were playing with a ball each, wouldn't you? Yeah, it, it was dead weird. I mean, like Chris just said, I mean, Luke Thomas had two really good chances where Newcastle weren't picking up either fullback kind of for the first 20 minutes. Um, and there was me thinking, you know, it's kind of, there's, there's some mental lapses here. This isn't great. And then that, Gordon got, well, I say the Gordon goal, the goal Gordon was involved in 
for Longstaff just kicked it all up. I, I don't know what you guys made of that because it's one where it looks like a handball. You feel like it should be a handball, but by the letter of the law, and Newcastle obviously been stung by this a few times over the last couple of years, it's a perfectly legal goal for, for Longstaff to sweep in. Yeah, there's an element of good fortune, Chris, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I think the law's a bit of an ass because I think in the cool light of day, he has gained an advantage by the ball hitting his hand. And a couple of years ago, I know when they first sort of brought in VAR, that probably would have been disallowed. And they've changed it now so that it has to be the goal, it's the goal scorer themselves if it hits their hand. But I mean, he is the he is the assist provider. He does very, very well to keep it in, but he sort of he inadvertently hits it with his arm. But basically that helps him, but the fact that it hits his arm... Regardless, that 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 is the, that is the rule. He had kept it in. Sheffield United thought he hadn't, and he pulls it back, and Sean Longstaff finishes it off. So, Newcastle United capitalised on that, and to have gained the confidence that they did from it, and for Sheffield United to have capitulated in the manner they did, that was from. It wasn't like it was the 89th minute and suddenly the game was gone. It was just weird how the two sides went in, su- in such different ways after after that goal and the and the fortune maybe the Newcastle had. I think also when. For the corner for the second goal, deflection of share off his arm. Now, this one probably wasn't a handball. His arm was glued to his body, but it still did hit the arm and go out. You can see why the fans might have felt aggrieved, why the team might have felt aggrieved. They've had some really nasty decisions go against them this year. And as soon as it's 2-0, you feel like the fates are conspiring against you. It really did mean that their confidence absolutely plummeted. Absolutely. And uh, the set players, for once, the set players worked, didn't they, Chris? Newcastle don't score a lot of goals from set players, but they were uh, they were on the money this time. I'm not sure I entirely agree. I know there's been a lot of comments about Newcastle don't score a lot from set pieces. I mean, they did score 10 last season, which was middle of the road in the Premier League, but they did also have the most opportunities from corners. Their XG from set pieces was huge. The Q and Trippier has not been the issue, really. I know a lot of people... I've had this debate with a lot of people, a lot of Newcastle fans I know last season were saying someone else should take them. Really, Newcastle haven't converted the opportunities from set pieces that, that they could and should have done and that was what was different at Sheffield United was that Dan Byrne and Sven Botman each last season probably should have had three or four goals from set pieces which they didn't take and they took both of those opportunities so I mean the, the deliveries for both were phenomenal as was Trippier's for Wilson's which I know we'll get into a bit but that was that was open play but it was essentially like a, a set piece the way that he delivers it and, and he is vital for, for, for Newcastle United. We keep saying this, and I think, again, that's almost reinforced why maybe they wanted another right-back, because if Kieran Trippier gets injured, Newcastle lose a huge amount, and they brought Livermento on for the last sort of 20 minutes or so, protect Kieran Trippier a little bit. He's played a heck of a lot of football. But for Newcastle to both have the routines which they use they also had a one which was slightly unfortunate when Almiron came short and his shot wasn't particularly very good, but that led to the, to the actual subsequent corner, which brought... Burns goal but the, the desire that Dan Burns showed to even though he's having his shirt basically pulled off his back still got their back post diving header and then Sven Botman the little sort of just flick just using the pace and the, and the whip on the ball from Kieran Trippier for the third to just nod it nod it beyond um, Fodringham to far corner yeah very very good very ruthlessly efficient I mean the first goal also was from a um, actually was from a throw in before Gordon got to, to, to the touchline as well so three goals really from, from sort of uh, set player situations so absolutely over the moon for Sven Botman to get himself on the score sheet and open his Newcastle account. And he was audibly delighted afterwards as well. Hi fans, amazing day today. Uh, happy with my goal as well, uh, 8-0. Uh, we continue and uh, focus on the City game, but uh, thank you for the support. See you. Wow, he sounds like you had to peel him off the ceiling there, Chris, doesn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, well, I know he's been receiving a lot of stick from other Newcastle players because this was his fiftieth appearance for Newcastle, I believe, and he, he still hadn't hadn't scored and had those opportunities I mentioned earlier. I, I messaged some people close to Botman as well, and they were basically saying, "Oh, it's a, it's about time he finally got that goal." Um, I mean, as Jacob said, sort of last week on, on the podcast, what a player he is for Newcastle United. Though I mean, in that in those opening exchanges when maybe Newcastle hadn't quite got a grip of the game yet. There was just a few touches he had, a couple of headers down, a couple of passes in the midfield, where he just calms the situation. It seems like Newcastle might be under pressure and he sort of calms the situation a little bit. And if he can add goals, and really he should be able to add goals because of, of the set-piece delivery Newcastle have him, because of his... He's one of those players, certainly first half of last season after he arrived... When Newcastle put the ball in the box, he always seemed to be able to get on the end of it, whether that was to head it back to someone else or to win a header towards goal, but obviously hasn't actually capitalised by getting the, the necessary goals and assists that maybe he would like. But yeah, absolutely delighted for him, and I think his teammates were as well. So. Absolutely, it was lovely to see. Uh, 3-0 at half-time, Jacob, but it seems like management were behind a deliberate move to be as relentless as possible, uh, leading to the mayhem of that second period. And if Callum Wilson had had his proper shooting boots on, you imagine we could have made it a double figures. Totally. I think I started my piece this morning talking about Jason Tindall sending on a note to Sean Longstaff with uh, Newcastle already 7-0 up, which at the time felt slightly cruel to Sheffield United. You sort of saw Longstaff's eyes sort of received it and they bulged, like it was kind of shocked. It was like someone had asked for him to like mallet a hamster or something. He was like, this is cruel. And then Isaac Winton scored moments later. It's just getting this kind of killer mentality into them. It's a slightly different situation because they're already 3-0 up, but against Liverpool, they failed to go on and kill the game when they had a lead to really kind of assert themselves. Again, it's slightly different here, but it's part of just, we go, we do our jobs, we do our processes. And here they did that, but with that creativity, which Chris spoke about earlier, um, it was such a professional performance. Ruthless, wasn't it, Chris? And uh, Anthony Gordon was was fantastic from the minute he came on till the end of the game and a great uh, strike and a good reward for his Man of the Match performance. Yeah, I mean, he was he, he really injected a bit of energy into the Newcastle side and maybe that, that seemed a bit uncertain, but he came on and he gave his, his opposite number uh, an absolutely torrid afternoon. Obviously created the first goal, albeit slightly fortuitous in terms of the ball hitting his hand, but he'd shown the desire to get to the byline and then be able to keep it in and then have the wherewithal to pull it back to Sean Longstaff. Um, we've obviously not talked about Callum Wilson really so far, but he, I mean, he he couldn't should have had a hat trick possibly even first half. He gets the the fourth goal from that trippy across I, I mentioned earlier, and then Anthony Gordon cuts in from the from the uh, the left hand side. Got uh, Elliot Anderson gives him an option short that attracts a defender. Dan Byrne then sort of does like an almost an underlapping run beyond, and that drags another defender. And Gordon just uses the space and curls it just beautifully from the left-hand side of the box into the bottom right-hand corner and ex- exactly what his performance deserved because he was he, he, he was really was was the difference and really feel for Harvey Barnes obviously gone off injured toe injury sounds like it might be a little bit of time before before we see him again he was one of the big signs of the summer but Anthony Gordon just keeps going from strength to strength and after the huge shift he's put in the last couple of matches to have, to have produced that performance having come on only 10-15 minutes of the game I think it was, it was huge credit to him what was nice to see about that Gordon performance was that it directly addressed some of the concerns there have been about his game end product and link up play have been things he's struggled with he created three different chances for Callum Wilson in the first half end product wise he had a goal he had the assists could have had those assists to Wilson and the goal is really interesting because this is the goal which he 
Almost relied a lot upon during his junior career, Everton's youth teams would play him out on the left, he'd drift in, he'd try and curl it. And against those junior teams, they couldn't handle it. He moved up to senior level and almost kept trying it, kept trying it, and it wouldn't work. And he didn't actually manage to do that kind of, because I mean, it's a stunning goal to look at. He not actually managed to do that until now at senior level. It's a really nice sign that he's adding different bits to his game and then returning to this. Just picking up on that, actually on his NUFC TV interview after the game, Anthony Gordon mentioned that he'd been working specifically with Jason Tyndall on the training ground on this exact goal. He said that it, too too often he hadn't been cutting in as, as he can do as, as historically and he knew it was one of his strengths. And this was the exact move he'd been practising. And obviously, as he said himself, practice made perfect and just yeah, kept Newcastle just going in that ruthless fashion that they found. Just for a second there, I thought you were going to say he'd been working on his tan with Jason Tyndall on the training ground. Oh, he's got a heck of a long way to go. He's got a heck of a long way to catch up on that front. (laughs) I mean, he's, you know, he's practically transparent, isn't he? He could get sunstroke looking at a holder brochure, that lad, bless him. But yeah, good man to learn from though, Jason Tyndall. Uh, Miggy as well though, Miggy Armouron, Jacob, being very Miggy Armouron, wasn't he? Very A great team goal, nice ball by Bruno, but you could have landed a 7-4-7 in that gap that Sheffield United left, and I think that was pretty much a theme of the day, wasn't Completely. it? Completely, I mean, he'd already had one disallowed. He sorted out his feet really well for his goal. Like, it's kind of... Lovely finish. Looked as if quite easily it could have been one of those really awkward ones where, I mean, if it had been me playing, it would have whacked off my back heel and sort of pinballed off to Tom Davis. Um... But no, he's a nice step over, finished really, really calmly um, because sometimes he can slightly snatch at those chances and just rolled it. That was the goal that I think felt embarrassing for the game because as, as much as you say, the movement from Almiron and the desire to get there was great, the little interplay with Bruno Gimraes, but it was just it was just such a simple give and go and he just ran into a huge space, as you mentioned, in the middle of the back line and that was where he just looked at it and thought, this this Sheffield United team really are not up for it right now. This is this is not a it, it really isn't accept even at that level, that is not acceptable as a, for for a team. And uh, Newcastle ruthlessly efficient and went and finished a chance and that brilliant because some of their teams may have, have stepped off a little bit, but that one was just like yeah, you would almost see with some of the players. Yeah, it was absolutely laughable, yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. I mean, the standard defending and just the general play from Sheffield United was pretty poor. We've, we've spoke about how good Newcastle were, but the gaps were just all over the place in the midfield. 
some of the back passes and some of the misplaced passes in that midfield. Uh, one of them which led to the, the goal that Bruno scored. Um, beautiful first touch. Uh, he's had a fantastic week for him as well. Uh, his son Pietro has arrived and he signed a new deal as well, Chris. It's it, It's been a huge week for Bruno, hasn't it? It was nice to see him kind of looking a bit like the Bruno of old again, playing with a little bit of confidence, a couple of nutmegs, a couple of little dragbacks and stuff like that. It was nice to see Yeah, that. I mean, I don't know if he's actually signed it. He's close to sign. I think they've agreed the new deal. I don't know if he's actually signed it yet. Right. But he, I think okay. he, there was a gesture from some Newcastle fans were suggesting who were there that he basically said I'm staying after he celebrated with the with the uh, the ball uh, under his shirt to, to signify the arrival of his his second child but I I thought that early on there were a couple of misplaced passes and and I, and I thought I'm not sure about this from, from Bruno Gimaraj but as the game grew on he was excellent and he completely ran it from midfield I mean as you mentioned Sheffield United gave him the run of the midfield because it was just yeah. puzzling I don't, I don't even they didn't really play midfield it was really odd their system and um, the the gaps that Elliot Anderson, who I thought was very very good as well, found in that midfield in particular, just coming deep into and even there was that there was the the uh, that opportunity that Miguel Almiron had where he received the ball on halfway in acres of space and somehow didn't create a chance from it because the, the, he dallied on the ball a little bit as he was on the half turn and that was just very very odd on uh, in terms of the way that they approached it for, for Bruno Gomes again. Obviously, Sandro Tonali came on later on, but Bruno Gimaraes performed well without Sandro Tonali in that midfield alongside him, and that in itself was interesting. And when Tonali came on, he pro- he played sort of as a number six at times. So whether Eddie Howe is still trying to find a way of getting those two into the same side together and, and blend together, that's maybe me looking a little bit too much into this. But yeah, Bruno Gimaraes, really second half in particular, back to his very best. Did you ever do the ball under the shirt celebration, Chris, when you returned to five aside a few months back? I still haven't scored since I returned, so I couldn't. I couldn't have done. <laughs> that's good. That's going to. That's, that's going to come out in a, in a few months' time. What, what are you doing that for? Never, never run away. All <laughs> uh, right. Uh, yeah, and uh, Jordy boys were, let's be honest, taking the piss, and so was Alexander Isak when he went through to make it eight nil. Chris uh, sat the defender on his arse, didn't he? And then. I mean, it was almost like the keeper just went, ah, oh, fuck, go on then, just put it in, you might as well. Yeah, yeah, no, you've done the hard bit. Well, Tom Davis came on, and I actually thought, to begin with, he'd added a little bit of something to Sheffield United. He got on the ball, he tried to make things happen, and then he just managed to head the ball directly into Alexander Isak's path, who'd come on. You could see he was desperate. He was not leaving that pitch without scoring a goal. Uh, he'd already, in the build-up to Bruno Gimaraes, was actually Isak had run through, and he probably should have passed it earlier, but seemed determined to get a shot away, and then deflected twice and ended up with Bruno but yeah that, that we've seen Isak do that so many times he is coolness personified in, in the box and sat down the defender just kills it past Fodderingham and yeah at that stage I th- there was three or four minutes of normal time remaining but it was like 10 minutes of injury time so I, I was very much thinking this could still be 10 and maybe it should have been 10 um, that's not to in any way put a dampener on Newcastle United's 8-0 victory but it could and should have been double figures really yeah it should have yeah. Just on Geordie Boys taking the piss, my sister was actually working at the game as a paramedic and she was in the little room under the away end where people were brought in for treatment and her review of the uh, Newcastle away end, so she works between Bramall Lane and Hillsborough and her review of the Newcastle fans had been the best uh, all season and all evening we're, we're trying to watch the rugby highlights later on and she was just singing, Callum Wilson, ooh. Ah, and she does not like football. She doesn't even really seem to like disco music, you know, from, from what I know. But yeah, <laughs> Newcastle fans seem to have such an effect on her, but it's uh, 
completely changed her personality. Or was it Callum Wilson that had an effect on her? Or was it? Callum well, she Wilson couldn't see him because she was sat in this room at the bottom. Ah, so it's purely, she, she probably couldn't tell him from Adam. She sort of heard law from above of this Callum Wilson figure. That's fair enough. He's a legendary character. Um, Newcastle, Chris, eight goals. Uh, eight goals. The biggest ever away win for the club. Uh, first Premier League team to have eight goal scorers in one match. We used 15 outfielders, so more of them scored than didn't, which is quite amazing, isn't it? Let's be oh, honest. Oh, it, it, it is astonishing. I mean, just the, when it kept on racking up, and said, oh, five goals, five different goal scorers. And each time you're thinking, oh, someone's going to get it. I mean, Wilson should have had more than one, really. Gordon arguably could and should have done as well. But, I mean, Newcastle had 15 shots on target, which I think is the most in the Premier League for six or seven years. By half-time, Newcastle had their most shots ever on target in the first half of a Premier League match, which I think was eight. Uh, and I mean the conversion rate of that is astonishing. They had twenty two shots, fifteen of them on target, um, which just that just showed the sort of ruthless efficiency that they had, and that really that 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 actually were saying they were profligate, but really slightly unfortunate as well for a couple of them. Weirdly, I've never um, ever wanted to ask this question before, Chris. But what was the xG? I think it was like three point nine. Was it Jacob? I think it was just under four. Wow, perfect. Yeah, three point nine four. So actually, again, I mean, that's where the weird thing is, is it's like when we say about how bad Sheffield United were, but not, I don't think many teams, maybe Man City or maybe uh, historically the, the very, very best teams in the Premier League may have gone and put eight past Sheffield United, but I don't think many teams would have done yesterday. And that for Newcastle side who was struggling so much in attack in the last few matches or seemingly not quite, cl- Eddie Howe used the phrase himself before, the match in, the, in his pre-match press conference that we haven't quite clicked yet in the in the final third. Well, they certainly did click huge for the confidence boost. All of those players who've managed to get on the score sheet, many of them their first goal of the season, Miguel Almiron, Sean Longstaff, Bruno Gimaraes. You hope that that just brings more out of them going forward as well. Alexander Isak needed a goal, really. Yeah, he did. We spoke about it last week that... that Really, this could turn into a very, very good week for Newcastle United, and I think it was a sensational week by the end of it. And the, and the point at, at AC Milan looks even better now in hindsight because of this, because Newcastle have built from it and shown that hopefully they can and do have the strength and depth to be able to perform on, on all accounts. Absolutely. Newcastle had eight league goals this season going into that game. They scored eight more, and they are now eighth in the Premier League, Jacob. Yep, that's number one. <laughs> That's a number wang. Indeed it is. Brilliant. Love that. Don't need to say anything more. I mean, we are now just talking about numbers. But yeah, they're they're looking up. They're looking up. Um, And just to kind of... Now there's been two wins on the trot. It just kind of puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? I mean, there's really that kind of air of panic after Brighton. Or maybe not panic, but just sort of... People are having a little bit of a reckoning and wondering, are Newcastle actually good this season? And considering a bit of levity back then that they'd played these really strong teams and they'd actually come out with a similar records to those sides last season. Well, now they've beaten two other, you know, kind of poorer teams this year. Suddenly they're kind of back looking upwards. The next few games are all very winnable. Um, so real chance with the caveat that various Champions League and Cup competitions to try and, you know, kind of rotate in but real chance them to keep marching onwards and upwards. This is it though, Chris, isn't it? Our quote-unquote awful start of the season now sees us six games in 
with two more points than we had after six games last season, having already played the current top three of City away, Brighton away, and obviously Liverpool as well, in a game that probably we should have won. It's numbers are not bad, are they really? No, they're not. But uh, that's again why we were saying last week was was so huge because I think it it, it does it was going to sort of shape how we saw the start of the season for Newcastle and maybe what we think is possible going forward and if the week hadn't turned out well then Newcastle could have been languishing in the bottom sort of five or six only one win up to this point and 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 haven't won in the Champions League either and instead you're looking at it and thinking they've got the league form a little bit back on track they've got a very very healthy goal difference now and two back-to-back wins in the Premier League three clean sheets in a week which we haven't mentioned yet but that is huge that is what Newcastle United built so much of their strength on last season and they've they've managed to, to, to get back-to-back clean sheets in the Premier League clean sheets at the San Siro and they now play a Man City side who uh, really will probably be quite a makeshift team albeit I'm sure any Man City side regardless even say youngsters makeshift side is very good but at St James's Park they will not fancy coming to St James's Park after an 8-0 victory uh, for Newcastle United and you look at the games to come in the Premier League and they do look like fairly kind run of fixtures now after a difficult start in terms of they played Five very very good. Well, certainly four of them very good. Brentford also a good side, and as three of the of the of the current top three, they are the, they are the three sides who are Man City are probably going to win the Premier League again. Liverpool look very much set like they're going to win the Champions League, and Brighton keep going from strength to strength. So Newcastle have got those fixtures out of the way to a certain extent, albeit with no points, but they can now hopefully build and, and be ready for when they have the return fixtures against those sides. Uh, and of course, uh, Jacob, we've got to spare a thought for Harvey Barnes as well, haven't we? He went off after 10 minutes with an injury. Has there been any info about that? Not a ton. Eddie Howe spoke about it after just to confirm that it was a problem. He said that he pushed off and felt it. It's a toe issue. He confirmed there's an injury there, but as of all of these things, um, he'll be going for a scan. That'll probably be today. Um, and then I'll get a further update for you, probably around the time of Manchester City match. Fair play. And there was no women's game on Sunday either. That was postponed after the death of Maddie Cusack. Uh, desperately sad to lose anyone at the age of 27, Jacob, but it sounds like she was a popular character. Yeah, it was um, actually a really sad atmosphere at Bramall Lane before kickoff. Maddie used to work for Sheffield United in the marketing department as well as being a player. She was well-known in the media suite at Bramall Lane and it was nice to see such an outpouring of love for her before the match. Sheffield United team all came out in her number eight shirts. Um, it was really touching, actually, how the applause almost started early and there was no real whistle to stop it. It just kind of carried on and carried on. Is that the England women's game too on Friday night in Sunderland, where there's also tributes to her. She was a former England uh, age group international and, yeah, absolutely tragic to, to lose her at that age. Newcastle's game was also cancelled because some of the Newcastle players and also the Burnley players who had previously been teammates with her. Uh, the Nottingham Forest game was the other game in the league, which was also cancelled. Maddie formally played for them. But that Newcastle-Burnley game, um, which was, as we previewed last time, it will be a top-of-the-table encounter that will be that will be reorganised for later in the season. We'll let you know what matters. Absolutely, and thoughts with uh, with Maddie's friends and family at the moment as well. Uh, right, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back very, very soon to talk about that Man City game in the Carabao Cup. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. So Newcastle back in action uh, in the Cup on Wednesday night with a visit from the current European and Premier League champions, Manchester City. A nice, easy return to Carabao action, Chris. Huh? Car- I still can't get a Carabao action. Carabao. It's not a thing. It's League Cup. That's what it is. Carabao. It's League Cup. Chris, you were born in Carabao. the 90s like me. I don't still get how you're still feeling this kind of... Grumpy about well, the past. It, well, no. Well, in a couple of years, it'll probably be, I don't know, the Greg's... Cup, and then I'm quite happy for it to be called the Greg's Cup, but I'm not. It was the Littlewoods Cup when I was a kid. It was the Rumbelows Cup when I was a kid. It was the Coca Cola Cup. It's been the Milk Cup. It was the Worthington. Isn't Cup. the Milk Cup inherently more ridiculous? Play for milk than the Carabao. Oh, is, yeah. Isn't that inherently no, more whole, ridiculous whole, than the Carabao Cup? The whole thing is inherently ridiculous, and it has a name of any of the sort of. I mean, the car- the fact that Carabao is barely even sold in this country is more of a... Uh, and by that, I mean the UK is also ridiculous. Anyway, we're getting totally off point, yes. Would you most it's- like it's sort of second most cup competition in the UK <laughs> trophy? Like, how literal do you want us to be? Hey, it would have been the best if Newcastle had won it in February, let me tell Absolutely. you. But anyway, that, that didn't happen. Obviously, losing finalists uh, to Manchester United last year and... Newcastle then get a home draw against Manchester City, who've won it quite a few times under Pep Guardiola. But Guardiola himself has already said in basically the build-up to this game and previous press conferences that he doesn't have the players to be able to to play a full-strength side because they've got so many injuries. I mean, nobody is going to... It's the smallest violin in the world for, for Pep Guardiola and his, off, his, right, his small off, squad. Mate, you know, but he's, no I think he's going to... I think there will be a sort of blend of some of Man City's youth players coming to the side. They have some very, very good youth players. There'll be a blend of that and and also some of their starters. And, and Newcastle, I think, will rotate a little bit as well. Howe's been keen to reiterate that he's sort of been making four or five changes per game. He doesn't want to change the entire spine of the side. So I think that that may be the case again. Um, Tino Livramento could well make his full debut for Newcastle. Same with Lewis Hall. He would have thought they would be two natural sort of players to have come to come into the side after this. Uh, seen as that uh, Jacob Murphy may well come back in, uh, having started in Milan and then on the bench at the weekend. You may get a, a change at goalkeeper in a, in a couple of other positions. Paul Dummett may even get a run out, but I don't think it'll be sort of wholesale changes. I think maybe half the starting lineup will change a little bit, and it'll be interesting to see if Newcastle can build on the wonderful result at Bramall Lane and, and continue that momentum going into this League Cup match. Hilarious gig for Paul Dummett, that the fact that he sort of sits on the bench and then suddenly called upon to sort of play the best club team in the world over the last five years, and then off you, Todd Paul. Cheers. Thanks for your service. <laughs> Thanks for that. Four goals conceded. Well, you know, 
Cheers. You answered the call. Uh, Lewis Hall made his debut as well at 7-0, his brother uh, saying on uh, Twitter. Debut for the Boyhood Club. Amazing. It's some time to come on that, isn't it, Chris? 7-0 up. That's when you want to make your debut, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if it goes tits up after that, then maybe not. But thankfully it didn't, so... Well, his dad was a professional rugby player, and so it was quite confusing that he came on sort of one try in. Converted try in, yeah. Fair play, yep. Obviously, Lewis Hall being a boyhood Newcastle fan, which still still a lot of people find quite odd that he was in Chelsea's academy, born in Slough. But uh, his dad is from up here, and so him and his brother were raised as, as, as Newcastle United fans. So, yeah, huge moment for him. And if he can make his full debut at St. James's Park against Manchester City, that would be uh, quite the occasion for him as well. Yeah, and we've also got Martin Dubravka, who hasn't really played much football recently. Uh, Jacob, he could be in line for a start. Yeah, and quite a few people have sort of really do want to see some minutes for him. Sort of really formed affection with him, naturally, when he was making brilliant performances over the last five years or so. Making brilliant performances? Performing brilliantly over the last five years or so. Yeah, And um, while obviously they see that Pope's, you know, an an excellent player, kind of did expect him to get more game time for her to have been more of a tussle. Um, And seeing as Newcastle are in so many cup competitions this year, to have him as a form of cup keeper does make a lot of sense. Uh, Even some of the players, Chris, as well, who've been playing, they could step up their prominence, couldn't they? We haven't talked an awful lot about Elliot Anderson, and he's been terrific this week, hasn't he? Uh, He slotted seamlessly into that midfield. It it could be a chance for him to be the main man. Yeah, I thought he played really well at Sheffield United. What I like about him is that he always looks to take the positive option with the ball, and sometimes when he's played for Newcastle so far, he hasn't got enough of those correct. He hasn't picked the, the correct pass but he, he looks to, to, to break the line. He looks to get players in behind. And, and Anthony Gordon's performance owed a lot to both him and Dan Byrne down that side as well, really complimenting him. And I think it was a big week for Elliot Anderson to, to, to show that he, he can perform starting in the Premier League at this level, that he can be relied upon, given the injuries to both Joe Willock and Joe Linton, that he's got those minutes. And he now is very much not that young player just on the periphery of the squad he can now be seen as a starting Premier League player for Newcastle and yeah I think that he could well continue in midfield and I think that he could under the lights at St James's Park on a Wednesday night that that's exactly the sort of atmosphere that he won just needs that that first goal denied it cruelly at Nottingham Forest last season but uh, I think it's coming because he, he the, the performances are definitely there. I think sometimes just being embroiled in the club day to day you kind of lose sight of how rapid his rise has still been. I mean, I saw a tweet a couple of days ago talking how May 2022, he's playing in League Two. And then in uh, September 2023, it's for Champions League at the San Siro. It's uh, how many players would have there ever been who've played from League Two and Champions League in the space of, what's that, 15 months, 16 months? Yeah, there was still talk at the start of the season that he was going to get a loan, wasn't there? That he might go back out on loan again, but he's he's been... He's been superb. He had a great pre-season. He's come in. He's shown that he can be trusted. He's shown that he can do a job. He's, he, I mean, he was wonderful on, on Sunday against Sheffield United. He was superb. Absolutely brilliant performances. I think the thing about Elliot Anderson as well is just how fit he is as well. That, that was all, there was all stuff from pre-season about how he was Newcastle's fittest player in all of the different uh, tests that they had. But... It's it's you can see that out in, in match situations that he physically can cope with it. He had his growth spurt last year. He looks like he's really grown it in that body now, and the ability to get up and down the engine, the pitch. I thought the balance of the midfield looked very good. 
Um, the three of them together, Sean Longstaff, Bruno Gimaraes and Elliot Anderson complemented each other very nicely in different ways and, and maybe that's a, a trio who will play together fairly often over the course of the next few weeks given that Sandro Tonali is still coming in and, 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 and embedding in. As I mentioned, interesting that he came on and sort of was more in the number six role before the system then changed completely. Um, and until we see Joe Willock back, which could still be a good few weeks, then Newcastle are going to need the energy that Elliot Anderson brings. It'll be interesting to see if Lewis Miley gets a few minutes as well, won't it, Jacob? It'll be good to see his development as well. Good to see him continue to play. Yeah, I mean, the fact that in the summer he played well against such high-quality opposition in the United States does actually mean that you aren't too fearful against throwing him in against Man City, which you usually would be uh, with a 17-year-old. Um, Eddie Howe is really careful about his development, not wanting to almost give him too much too soon. But while you probably wouldn't expect him to start, like I you know, there's really a place for him in the squad. Uh, might we see a little bit of rotation at centre-back, Chris? Could Jamal LaSalle's come in? We'd like to think that he's going to have to play some football at some point and this would seem like the perfect opportunity to do so in terms of if you are going to rotate and give give the sort of fringe players, for want of a better term, uh, greater minutes. He is the, he is the club captain um, and, and he is going to probably be called upon at certain points in the season, so you want him to get up to match sharpness. I mean... Part of me even talking about all these changes, I'm a little bit uncomfortable because I would like to see Newcastle be prioritising the cup competitions again. But the 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 reality is they're competing on so many fronts that Howe has to believe in his squad. He has to believe in the rotation of it and hope that that in these early rounds, albeit against Man City, whatever version of their side they put out, that that, that he put names in eleven who can deliver. That hasn't often been the case for Newcastle in recent years in cup competitions when they have made a lot of changes. So hopefully he gets that balance right and Newcastle are able to progress. Yep, absolutely. Well, there we go. I don't know about you, but it's been some week, hasn't it? I'm absolutely knackered now. It's quite depressing for considering it's a Monday. Monday lunchtime and I'm already broken. Yeah, it does feel like that. It feels like that. There's an awful lot of football to be played, isn't there, Chris? There's lots going on. Yeah, well, George, is. Uh, I think his season's over now, is it? Is that him out for the season? He's just, done. Yeah, I think so. I think he had one away trip to Milan and that, that's done him. Fair play. Right then, uh, get yourselves over to The Athletic uh, and subscribe via theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod to pay just £1 a month or $1 a month, depending where you are geographically, uh, for 12 months and get to read all of the wonderful output from Chris, George and Jacob as well. Uh, get in touch as well with the show. We're all on Twitter. We're pretty easy to find. And the show is uh, at Pod on the Time or email us at Pod on the Time at theathletic.com. That's it. Thanks very much, chaps, for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you very much, Taylor. Cheers, and cheers to you, Chris Wolf. Cheers to you as well, Taylor. I'm getting withdrawal symptoms because Newcastle haven't scored in a little while. It's, I know. Uh, it's, it's really disappointing, actually. It is. It is. Right then, let's uh, let's call it a day, chaps. Thank you very much for your time, and thanks a lot to all of you out there for listening. We'll be back uh, on Thursday, and we'll have a little bit more chat about that Man City game and looking ahead to the weekend against Burnley. Uh, For now, thanks very much for listening. Take care. Enjoy your week. Goodbye. Athletic.